0: Hello Annie Trenders, welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by...
1: Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes.
0: So without further ado, the girl Taku today will be about anime that we didn't expect to like as much as we did. So oftentimes there's going to be surprise anime that just sort of comes out of left field in a way you weren't expecting. You get really invested in the characters or the plot or both for that matter. Usually you kind of have to be invested in both in order for the anime to really stick in your head. But they're anime that you originally picked up because you thought it was interesting. But at most you were just expecting to be entertained. But when you started watching it, you really, really liked it. And there was a huge gap between what you were expecting on how, what degree of your likeness towards it and the end result of how invested you actually are. So today we want to specifically talk about anime who fit that gap in that we went in with expectations of not liking it as much as we ended up liking it at the very end. So last time, I can't say last week because we did skip out last week, and if anyone who doesn't follow us on Twitter, we did a very, very elaborate April Fool's prank. It was very successful, so it was worth it in regards to skipping last week's episode. But um, in our last episode, Agnes was supposed to go first. However, I messed up explaining the topic to her, so I had to go first and she went second. So this time, Agnes, the ball is in your court again for the first time, so... Uh, What are two anime in which you just didn't expect to like or love as much as you did when you started watching it?
2: For sure. So the first one that I wanted to highlight is a series that I thought was not going to be very successful because the way that it markets its material felt very stereotypical, very standard, and very banal. But when you actually watch the show, it was a lot more compelling than I thought. And that show is going to be The Misfit of Demon King Academy.
0: Ooh, oh, I in my head, when you started describing it, I'm like, the only one that I could think of with such horrendous marketing was that anime. <laughs> so- yeah,
2: <laughs> we talked about it before, right? How The Misfit was has a very like very typical isekai harem setup of the movie poster. And when I was watching it, I thought to myself like I I don't I don't really care about it, but I heard someone say the first episode review was pretty good. So I kind of had to force myself to sit down and watch it cuz usually I would not touch this with a ten-foot pole. But I was not expecting it to be such a great sleeper hit on the first episode because Anos, the main character, the way that he presents himself is very different from a lot of typical quote-unquote like isekai protagonists or protagonists that have, like, they get reincarnated with this massive cheat skills. And usually those protagonists are very flat, they're very banal, they're very ordinary, and they don't really stand out. But Anos actually stands out. He's the demon king. He walks the talk as the demon king. He's very smug. He's very confident. He has that aura of, I have power and you can try me. And it's just really satisfying to watch him kind of, like, own a lot of the students who try to underestimate him because he tries to tell them, like, I am the reincarnated demon king and everyone's like you're you're a joke right but he's actually not a joke and it's just really cool and satisfying to see everyone just kind of like grovel at his feet while he tries to assert himself but also try to figure out what exactly is wrong with this world that he is reincarnated to even though it is a world that takes place in the future at least like what like 200 400 years ago Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Several centuries for sure. Yeah, yeah. At least
2: several centuries. And everything has changed since then. But in his mind, the history that was rewritten after his death contradicts what is actually happening in the current world. And so it's it's part of Anos being very, uh, very competitive, very overbearing, being very like smug about things. But he also has this impediment of uh, not realizing what has happened in the world. He has a bit of an amnesia kind of quality to him because he doesn't really know what's going on anymore and he actually can't retake the world anymore because there are certain laws people and figures that he can't go up against unless he has more information about them and unfortunately he has no information about them. So it's this whole plot of him trying to navigate through the school as a quote-unquote like juvenile even though he is very very old. He gathers up a band of quote-unquote misfits that also don't fit into society but they also have to try to navigate their way through the world and try to help Anos reach his goals. And I think the second point that I wanted to make about this series was that Harem is very typical in anime. When you have the ordinary guy guy who somehow attracts all the girls within his radius and they all fall in love with him for no particular reason. It gets really boring. It gets very um typical and you start to see it like from the very beginning. And the way that the the light novel and the series was marketed was very much doing that. But in the actual series itself, there's actually not that many people who actually fall in love with Anos There's like maybe like at least two or three, but the vast majority of the people that surround themselves around Anos also have their own character backstory and their character arc that really flush them out instead of just being a side character right next to Anos. It's like comparing between the Irregular Magic School with the Misfit of Demon King Academy, and I would rather be in the Misfit Demon King Academy as a Misfit than part of Tatsuya's little clan in the Irregular High School. <laughs> so that's my spiel about Misfit.
0: Yeah you know what uh, your point about the amnesia stuff I you know I didn't make that connection but you're absolutely right it is in its own way sort of a play on the amnesia trope except he doesn't have literal amnesia it's just there's just a big gap in time he wasn't present for and
2: that's exactly yeah difference. so he's just sitting there he's like what the fuck is going on but the reality is is like he has to you know sift his way through it instead of being like oh i'm the demon king and i can rewrite all the laws no he has to be very methodical about it otherwise he will actually break the world that he has no idea what's actually happening at all
0: Mm -hmm. what i guess you said you saw a person's first episode review and that's what spurred you to start watching it i feel like i don't know like just knowing you for so long agnes i feel like one person saying the first episode was good would it be enough to make you be like ignore all the other marketing (laughs) materials and check it out. Like, was that really it?
2: I think it was really it because I don't, I typically don't trust marketing materials. So I would usually say I think it was It was the bites written by James, I think. Oh, okay. Or at least he was talking about it um, in our like group DMs and stuff. And I got interested and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this show isn't that bad at all. And then I kind of just dove my foot into it too.
0: Mm -hmm, Got it. Got it. Uh, It's interesting because uh, I was one of, so I was one of those who would have also skipped it. I got a, not even a really a first episode review, but essentially a suggestion. So my roommate knows about the light novel series. And when I was walking through the anime that was airing next season, cause she was curious and we like to play this game where she guesses which anime I'm going to watch next season, which is a very easy game. Cause the percentage is very high <laughs> in regards to picking one that I'm, that I'm going to watch. But One of them she picked and it was Misfit and I said no and she was like, You need to watch this and I was like, No. I'm like, just look at the posters, like look at the trailers, no and she's just like, No, no, no. I promise you, like, I know this poster looks bad, but you need to watch it, you're going to like it. So I almost skipped it as well, if it wasn't for the fact that um if it wasn't for the fact that she pointed it out and I also considered Misfit to be part of the two anime I picked for this week's topic as well, Agnes. So we're sharing sort of that same disparity and kind of like to like very tentatively going in on it and be like, wait, this is actually pretty good.
2: (laughs) I mean, you and I have very similar tastes and approach when it comes to an anime. A bit with you, you tend to dive headfirst into almost everything versus I'm a little bit more reserved about my own picks. But we have very similar tastes in how we approach and pick them out. So I'm not surprised that you
1: almost pick this for the topic as well.
0: Yeah. And Isabel, have you seen Misfit?
1: I have not. I am one of those people that also saw the promotional material and Mm -hmm. was like, I am not going to touch Mm -hmm. it. Um, But after, you know, hearing you guys, we, since we previously talked about it before, I think my perception of it has changed. Um, Yeah, it's just a matter of time for me to actually start it. But otherwise, I think after hearing, you know, what it's actually about, and it's not a typical isekai harem, I think, it's probably better than what it looks like so mm-hmm.
2: yeah for sure it does feel a little bit gratuitous in terms of its fan service because all the girls are very big boobs and there's some panty mm-hmm. shots but mm-hmm. you won't get the same reaction from the male mc in another show as you would with anos in the misfits so did I they think have you're in panty i
0: actually don't remember that at all
2: there's there's a few there's very like it's 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 there to kind of tell you, like, oh, this is a typical, like, series that does have some of these moments. But Anos does not react accordingly as would a normal protagonist in a harem series.
0: Well, yeah, he just wants his throne back. Yeah, he just wants his throne back. uh, Yeah. No, it's yeah. It the promotion. I, the promotions were terrible. <laughs> I did a terrible job at it, but it is quite good. Yes. Alrighty. So if that is your first pick, then what is your second pick? Where there was just that gap of expectations of how much you were gonna like it.
2: So the second pick is probably gonna come to nobody's surprise because I've been obsessed with it for the past like what twelve weeks already now. <laughs> And that's going to be the, the, the anime series that aired last
1: season, which is Buddy Daddy. Oh, yes. Gracie, you... was that on your list too?
0: No, but I had a feeling. I'm like, I'm like, 10 bucks. Agnes is going to talk about
2: Buddy Daddy. <laughs> the moment I said 12 week obsession, she's like, I know it. I know it. Yes. <laughs> so with Buddy Daddy's. I absolutely love the entire show from start to finish, but I did actually have a lot of reservations coming into the series that I didn't air to you, Gracie, Mm -hmm. when we first started it. And part of it was because a lot of the community was dubbing it as a copy of Spy X Family, which is understandable because there's that premise of two unknown strangers they somehow get together and then they have a child that they pick up and they have to kind of like figure out what to do with this child right it's a very it's a very typical premise but i think the one thing that i was a lot more skeptical about with buddy daddies was how were they going to maneuver around that plot of i have a child and what am i going to do about it spike's family is different from buddy daddies in the sense that spike's family was all about the comedy about really playing it up as the fake family and somehow they get away with it each time and i was thinking like is buddy daddy's going to do the same thing because even that is already expected in spike's family but it's also expected in a lot of other quote-unquote found family type of series not even in just anime but also in a lot of other uh, franchises outside of anime like for instance like star wars like star wars for example the whole idea of a found family is also inherently very goofy and so i was sitting here and i was like how's it going to be different am i going to really enjoy it and then is the anime actually going to take a nosedive because it is an original work and they're just going to have a lot of really weird convoluted themes that don't make sense and i have I have right to be suspicious of that because original animes are very much hit and misses and often much, very much hits, uh, misses. So I was kind of like, okay, well, the color palette looks great. PA Works is doing great, but what else is there more to offer? And what was really nice about Buddy Daddies is because it's a little bit more quote unquote realistic in the sense that it was trying to talk about child rearing in Japan. And Gracie, you talked about this with me earlier, how in Buddy Daddy's, the PA staff actually hired a lot of the staff workers to share their experiences about what it was like raising their child in Japan Mm -hmm. and implemented that into the series as well, which gave this rise of complexity to the series that actually is very different from Spike's family. Because in Spike's family there's a requirement to have the child. And the child itself, she, Anya, is very perceptive of what's going around her. So she has to continue to play up the ante of the fake family. Versus in Buddy Daddies, there are some characters that are not aware of the situation. They are not aware that they're in on this weird convoluted plot, but they still have to make do with what their situation uh, is. Puts them into. And so I really like that part about Buddy Daddies, and then how Buddy Daddies also goes through an introspective look about traumas that evolve in two different people. So, for instance, like uh, Kazuki and Rei have different traumas that they have to deal yes. with. Mm-hmm. And then the desire to change as adults, because you rarely see, I think, anime that talk about adults wanting to change. A lot of the times, a lot that anime showcases adults. Adults don't really change with the theme, they typically end up staying with the same theme throughout the entire series, and they don't evolve as characters, which I think that makes a lot of adult characters very flat by the end of a lot of series. You typically only see this in a lot of shonen anime where like you have the cringy teenager who's like, I can change with the power of nakamas, and that's it. But it's really refreshing to see it in Buddy Daddy's about two actual grown adults that have gone through experiences and been like, okay, you know what? We can pick ourselves back up even though we've been dealt the shitty hand in life and we can actually improve and I, we were definitely rewarded that by the end of Buddy Daddies. So that's the series I wanted to talk about for this podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. You covered everything that I also really, really loved about Buddy Daddies. The the intimate look at child rearing in Japan was without doubt one of my favorite part of the series. Because even, you know, you've mentioned it, even in other anime where it is about kids in Japan... I feel like they don't take as much of a deep dive as Buddy Daddies did, which is funny because you'd think a story about two assassin men (laughs) wouldn't be covering stuff like having to hand-sewn her names and do like that loop towels and spending all night writing her name on every single thing and having a ridiculously long list of required materials, like much, much longer than what we're used to in the U.S., by the way. And this is just a daycare sort of situation. and. Like, yeah, like, I don't hear these sort of stories at all. And I've seen a lot of these slice-of-life stories. And I only know about this simply because I follow Japanese cultural accounts that talk about these nuances that I otherwise wouldn't know. And this is my first time actually seeing it in an anime. So you can really tell that they definitely pulled in their effort in regards to hearing their staff who have kids and, like, writing down exactly what it means to be raising children there. So, yeah.
2: For sure. And I think that aspect of child rearing in Japan is also not very much touched upon in anime because to be honest, not everybody experiences having a family or having children, and it doesn't necessarily appeal to the wider audience. The only other series that I know that talks about child rearing in the same capacity as Buddy Daddies is is actually through a manga, and that in itself does not even have an anime greenlit. Mm. So I was very surprised to see it in Buddy Daddies, and was very pleased to actually see similar themes being reflected in both series,
0: for sure. And Isabel, I know you watched Buddy Daddies. Did you finish it? <laughs>
1: I did. The funny thing is I finished Buddy Daddies, but I have still not finished Spy Family. So, oh. I think that kind of shows that I liked Buddy Daddies a lot more. Like Spy Family, I kind of had to force myself to watch it a little even though I still think it's very enjoyable. I just have to like get in that mood to binge watch it, I guess. Uh, but for some reason I couldn't I couldn't wait every week for Buddy Daddies. Like I was very excited to see the next episode. Um, and I didn't want to get spoiled on anything either. So, um yeah, I just think the other interesting thing was kind of, kind of the relationship that you touched upon, Agnes, between um, Kazuki and Rei, is that they kind of understand each other's circumstances, whereas like in Spy Family, Yor and Lloyd don't know what the heck the other right, person's doing. Right. <laughs> right,
2: because they have to play it up. Yeah, so right, there's just yeah. that
1: awkwardness, and not only that, they don't blame each other. They're like, so nice to each other that they don't blame each other for something that goes wrong. Mm-hmm, you know, Lloyd also yeah. doesn't want to blame Anya for anything either but then um, in buddy daddy is the two guys they don't care you know Kazuki's going to yell at Ray at some point he's going to boil over and try to force him to you know at some point i think in the later part of the series he tells Ray if you want to keep Miri if you want to you got to help me out with the housework yep. and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah yep, yep. so that was super cute and i think yeah in spy family they're like too nice about it or they do they they take care of it already it's like perfectly fine um which is kind of funny uh but yeah i had the same sentiments i thought it, it couldn't be as good as Spy Family, but for me, it, I think it might be better um, in terms of just, like, how to raise a child and then not only that, work on the relationship between each other as well as a family. So, overall, I definitely really liked it as well.
0: I think Yay. I have seen someone also say, like, in uh, Kazuki and Ray's relationship is, in all honesty, more realistic than Lloyd and yours. Mm-hmm. This, um, even if Lloyd and your quote-unquote the more like standard family unit because of the fact that they're like you know I've been living with my boyfriend for x many amount of years trust me we're going to fight (laughs) over stuff and we're gonna fight over stuff that seems very minimal and stupid such as who's cleaning up the floor at this time but that's just part of life because that's what happens when you're with someone for a very very long time and obviously you don't see that with Lloyd and Yor at all like everything's very clean in regards to their relationship aside from like you're in the second season wondering if you know she's gonna get replaced or something like that but in here it's like yeah these two they're going to quibble over these small things and so um at one point Kazuki got so upset that he literally had to run away for like a day or two to like calm down so uh so definitely a lot more realistic in that regard as well um so one tidbit I just wanted to share because I think it's funny is we've started posting on Tumblr for our Anime Trending account and there is a very large fan base for f- Buddy daddies on Tumblr. But the funny thing is Ray and Kazuki never quite managed to really reach number one. They only... Ray only managed to reach number one in one episode, and that was because he really had to deal with his past, and he was forced to do something quite traumatizing on top of every all the other childhood trauma he's already got. And so that episode like it was a really really good dive into Ray as well as sort of how the relationship between Kazuki and Miri had really changed him for the better and made him see like a different life that he could love and enjoy and so that was the only time he managed to get to number one but what's really funny is that throughout the entire season Kazuki and Rei were literally one on top of each other <laughs> in regards to their rankings they there was probably two times or three times at most where they got split and as in like another character was in between them before the Rest of the charts, if Ray was two, Kazuki was three. If Ray was three, Kazuki was four. Like they were just stacked on top of each other. And it was really funny because the Tumblr people noticed and they're like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even mad that they aren't number one and two because the fact that they stayed the entire season together on the charts is just very like chef's kiss <laughs> coincidental. So I wanted to point out that little funny tidbit as well. But yeah, so um Agnes, I, you and I know how obsessed you were with Betty Daddies, not that I was helping, I was just pouring fuel onto the fire, but
2: <laughs> at the very least It is an embarrassment, honestly, I haven't <laughs> been this excited for a show in a very long time
0: It was it was really good and i'm in agreement with all the ladies here i also did enjoy buddy Daddies a lot more than i was expecting as well i considered it but i was like i felt like this was agnes's anime to talk about i'm <laughs> so sorry
2: <that's> <laughs> i, I didn't feel the thunder this time
0: <laughs> Already then so in this case i am up next so i'm going to start off with one anime that is good, but purely good because of the source material and how strong the source material is. And then the second one that was just incredible. So um the first anime that I went in with a lot of reservations, but ended up coming out just really, really um applauding the author for the story and the characters is uh okay, wait, it has a full name. I remembered it by the shorter name. Oh, it is The Night Beyond the Tri-Cornered Window. Have any of you guys oh. heard of it? <laughs>
2: Yes, I've heard of that title, but I didn't get around to actually read or watch it. Okay,
0: and what about you, Isabel?
1: Yeah, same for me. I I wanted to watch it, but I didn't, so...
0: Okay, so here's what I will say. The anime did not do the uh, manga justice, so the thing is, the I wouldn't say it's a bad adaptation, they definitely got the story right and the pacing right, so it wasn't like when I was watching it, it was like pulling teeth or anything, because there are definitely cases where the anime messes up the adaptation so badly that it's unwatchable, that's not the case, but its production values is just simply not there. And when this story is involving like a little bit of a more horror element in regards to the curses that are wandering around and the curses that the main characters have to resolve, and they look funky and silly <laughs> said in the production, it loses an element from that. So that's why I say it's good. And it's purely because of the source material, not because of the actual anime. The production values just weren't there to really fully bring out the potential of the story. However, Despite the fact that the production value was really just that mid, if I may use like a more modern casual language, it really was just that mediocre and maybe even bad, like sort of like the upper level of bad. I still really, really like the story and the characters. So one of my favorite things about this show is its treatment of, um, there, there might be a link here, but its treatment of relationships and abuse and trauma in this sense. But I think it adds an element that I just don't remember really seeing in other anime. For example, uh, one of the antagonists who starts, or one of the characters who start off as the antagonist, She is a 16 year old girl. She has the ability to control curses and she legitimately was killing people with these curses, like completely innocent people murdering them with that ability. However, as the story continued, we learned that she's not like a psychopath, 16 year old serial killer who's just going around because she likes serial killing. We find out that her dad discovered her powers at a really young age and after a failed business and thus desperation over the fact that the income isn't great. He basically sold her powers to the Yakuza and essentially starting from when she was probably in like, you know, sixth grade or something like that she gets taken by these strange men and get told what to do. And it took her a while to even realize that she was actually killing people because she didn't know controlling her curses into like people's bodies would actually kill them in the first place. So at a certain point, because she is 16 and she is starting to sort of, um, understand more of what's going on in her life and, um you know developing her own identity and her own ambitions and stuff at one point she realizes she was essentially going around killing innocents and she wanted to get out of there and the protagonists all banded together to help her and in particular the part i really liked was one of the um one of the supporting characters is actually a therapist and he uses his supernatural abilities to see these curses to really help out his patients so he has a bit of a leg up on top of just usual therapy training and he, in particular, offered her three free uh, free therapy sessions once this whole thing blows over and they safe- safely um, extract her from the Yakuza. And she was very surprised by that because she thought for certain that, you know, they're helping her begrudgingly because they just don't want her to kill any more people. But they don't like her because she was literally going around killing people. And the therapist just kind of looks at her because she was like, you know, why are you being so nice to me and stuff? And he's just like well, you're a kid, like you never really, like, I I don't think you even realized what you were doing up until a certain point. And then even when you did, you can't just like run away from the Yakuza as like a 14 or a 15 year old. So why would we as adults ever expect you to somehow fight out of that situation? Like, that's just unrealistic. And it's just the blunt way that the therapist said it is very much like what a therapist would say in regards to a session when someone is victim blaming themselves and stuff like that. And I just really like that moment. It just meant a lot to me. And that's just like one small arc within this entire story. It's just extraordinarily well done. There's another element that I, I, that is like harsher in hindsight now, but another part of the um, conflict is also to do with a cult and um and how the cult is tied to not only the yakuza and thus has a lot of um, power monetary wise but it also has political ties as well to certain politician parties and let's not forget that because of a very large populist cult in japan a man was pushed to such brink of desperation that he made a gun out of materials like handmade from scratch a gun out of materials and managed to kill a politician and his story about how the cult like stole from his family and drove him to that sort of brink of doing something so drastic had the entire country sort of be like well actually he kind of has a point like (laughs) the fact that he killed someone and so many people empathize with him as to what led him to that point rather than get angry at him or see him as a criminal is insane. And the story also includes that element of cults in there as well, which I thought was just brilliant. The final point is this is a BL. Um, and the reason why I entered this anime with, um, you know, trepidation is because of the fact that I am I mean, and we talked about in our Yowie BL episode, if you girls remember, but it's like a big problem with that genre has been... Um it's changing now thank goodness but definitely when we were growing up has been these extraordinarily toxic relationships between the seme and the uke with um one being extremely possessive controlling toxic probably sometimes to the point of being abusive or just teetering between the line of abusive and then the uke being very very meek and just does not stand up for themselves and it's a it's a whole list of things but you guys know that dynamic and The anime kind of started off like that between the two, but then as the story continued, it just kept changing and changing because the supporting characters are calling this M.A. out on his bad, like, actions, and they're saying, they're telling him things like, you can't treat him like this, like, you have to change if you want something with this guy, and they were unrelenting in this regard utterly unrelenting no one was giving him any excuses they were not allowing a single excuse come from him in regards to his bad behavior and the anime still goes on to explain why he has these bad behavior and certainly they do make a lot of sense but i think it's the fact that the story just really nailed in the fact that yes this is why he is this way now let's see him change and all the characters around him constantly being like you have to change dude if you want." A relationship to be good between you two was, it was just so well done. And it was also very, very intentional by the author. And you can tell as well. And so that is why I ended up just really liking this anime. And at the end, I was basically like, I couldn't wait to see the next episode because I needed to know what was going to happen. It was just a really well done story. And it's just the production values were bad. So. <laughs> So hopefully, I like can convince you two to give it a peek. But if um, but Agnes, I kind of suspect you probably know this. You recognize this name because this was the BL manga that the Jujutsu Kaisen Magaka has said inspired Jujutsu Kaisen. So
2: ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah, I see that. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you. But I also
2: kind of knew it because someone within our circles also mentioned that the BL had like those quote unquote like non con elements in it, which is why I was initially a little bit wary about actually reading into it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um. But based on your reviews and, well, basically when you told us how good it is and the fact that the car- the side characters actually have a lot of agency to tell the main character, mm-hmm. uh, the semi to having to change himself is actually much more refreshing than the typical BL where, you know, things happen. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. And the thing is, I know it's intentional because actually the author did an interview with a and And specifically, she mentioned the fact that she started this BL with those problematic elements because that was just unfortunately the standard for a lot of BL mm-hmm. yaoi stories yeah. that she wrote. But as she started to write it, she started to think to herself, would I ever let someone I care about be in a relationship like this? And she was like, the answer is no. no. Yeah. And she's like, if the answer is no, then I can't write it like this. And so that's why instead it became a whole arc about, as you learn more about the semi, you know, explaining why he is the way he is. It's also about how he also needs to change if he wants to make it work. And, oh, it was so good because of that. So, um, so yeah. Uh, sorry, Isabel. I felt like I just like ranted for so long. But did you have any thoughts or I guess did that name or or I mean, have you heard about the fact that this was the manga that sort of helped inspire the Jujutsu Kaisen author for Jujutsu Kaisen?
1: No, I didn't hear about that. So that's an interesting tidbit. Uh, that's nice to hear. And yeah, when you said curses, I you know, the JJK did pop up in my mind, but I didn't really associate it that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just like the fact that you highlighted their relationship. I think, like you said, usually that's the standard that the characters never really change. If anything, they kind of fall in love and you, yep. you kind of accept it. Yep. Maybe, maybe we move on to the supporting characters, but their romance isn't as, like, isn't as great or, you know, as significant as the main couple. But in this case, you know, they have their... I guess, research or not research, but kind of like the cases that they're solving together. Mm -hmm. So it feels like there's a different plot, kind of like Inspector. I feel like that's what it sounds like to me, but maybe Mm -hmm. even better. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so that is my first pick. My second pick is A Place Further Than the Universe. <clears throat> oh, that was
2: actually one of the ones I was considering, too. Oh,
0: okay, thank God you didn't take it. So. Yeah, thank God I didn't take it. <laughs> well, I guess if you took that one, then I would have taken Buddy Daddy's but, so.
2: <laughs> And this is why our tastes are very similar, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> so A Place Further Than the Universe is excellent. Oh, that's what I will say. It's an excellent piece of work. Excellent anime, excellent writing, excellent visual direction. Everything is just excellent. Um, And there's a gap because I went in expecting to just enjoy it, you know, like in a lighthearted way, just enjoy it because, you know, I'm a girl and I have really close girlfriends, aka right here, and then even in college and growing up all the way from elementary through high school. I always had a close friends of girls, so I always liked slice of life, you know, cute girls doing cute things genre, simply because they remind me of me and my friends, and it's fun, and it's relaxing to watch, and that's what I thought a place further than the universe was going to be, it was just going to be that same thing, so I I watched it, and I was like, this is going to be that nice relaxing anime that you know I'm, I'm just gonna enjoy and sort of have like uh you know sort of have like those anime flowers around my head while I'm watching and stuff like that uh first of all no it's a liar it made me cry <laughs> so um that's the first thing but the second thing is this story is so so much beyond just like cute girls doing cute things the character arcs are so emotional and so very very well done and you'd never expect it from a story about um four girls who just want to go to Antarctica at least that's what the summary made it sound like is that they just wanted to go to Antarctica but there are genuine uh there are genuine deep dives into their relationships as friends as well as relationships with parents probably one of the most iconic scenes from this anime is the uh zaramiyo. I probably mispronounce that but it's like it's basically like take that like take that and it's one of the characters just screaming that into the air because of all the people in her life who said that she couldn't manage to do what she needed to do and that her dream is just a pipe dream and nothing's gonna happen of it and the fact that she managed to accomplish her dream she is just screaming into the air with this release of like frustration and anger, but also joy and excitement. And it was probably an incredible, one of the best voice acting jobs that Kana Hanazawa has ever, ever done. And it was so cathartic to watch as well. And uh, it's just, this anime really, really knows how to write its emotional moments. Uh, I think it's always telling because, uh, funnily enough, my ex, one of my exes who watched it said, was like, oh, I'm watching this anime. I heard it's pretty good and it's pretty cute and stuff. And then literally, I think like three days later, he messaged me and he was just like, wait, it made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Because he wasn't expecting it to be as big of an emotional dive as it was. And uh, the yeah the writer and the director definitely knows what she's doing and she also wrote goodbye don gleese which i've written a review for which i also really really liked as well which i'm really glad that she's able to get that sort of budget and that sort of power to um movie director to be a movie director and writer for anime and so yeah and the fact that this is her first time i think writing and directing an anime it was just like flawless from beginning to end i i mean this is why uh, a place further than the universe is you know considered one of the highest rated modern anime of these days because it's just so well done uh so yeah so that is my pick for my second pick in regards to a huge gap of what i was expecting and just how invested i got what about you agnes since this was one of the ones you considered I
2: also teared up at the very end. It was really good.
0: (laughs) And I
2: actually didn't get into this series long, long after until it was finished because I was very distracted by the the cute girls do cute things premise, which is something I typically don't watch, as we've said multiple times on this podcast. But what really drew me in was the fact that they were traveling to a place that they have no idea what to do when they get there. And that they have to take all these precautions to prepare for that journey. And it made me think about how in my high school, there are a lot of kids who have never left the state or have never left the country before. But they're too scared or they're too timid to do the impossible in the same way in college, too, which was why there's a lot of programs in college that support people going abroad to study and, you know, immerse themselves in a new culture or just being somewhere different. That wasn't, you know, their hometown that they've been in for the last 20 plus years. And I really like that as the premise for a further a place further than this universe because it tells people and encourages people to go out there and experience new things instead of just be content with the lifestyle that you have and just stay at home all day you know so I thought that was just very inspiring as a premise um, rather than just you know cute girls do cute things in a very localized uh, situation like don't get me wrong like Yuru Camp is still one of my favorites that I really like and then of course you have a lot of other series like The Encouragement of the Climb and The Do It Yourself that is also very endearing but nothing really hits the same as a place further than this universe than actually going somewhere new. Like I feel that every time I go on an airplane, I go visit, you know, people in other states or I go, you know, literally internationally abroad. It is a completely new experience and it's very invigorating. It really changes your perspective on a lot of things. So I was really happy that the cast, even though they're high schoolers, they don't have money, they don't they don't know how to get to Antarctica. They still find the means to get there and that they are very much rewarded at the very end with this enriching experience overall
0: yeah exactly it's yeah it's just incredible and it yeah people please watch it please watch it please watch it i guarantee you you're gonna be very pleasantly surprised as how much heart is put into the story and into its plot as well did you watch it isabel i feel like i haven't heard you mention it before
1: no yeah i haven't mentioned it so i haven't seen that one okay uh, (laughs) either what made you start watching it? Did you pick it up yourself or did you pick it up after y- your ex mentioned it to you and said maybe he cried and you are like maybe I'll cry too or? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that much of it and well maybe i am but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll brush past that no i did pick it up myself mainly because once again i just i usually pick up cute girls doing cute things uh uh and my watch list was not like 25 anime ones so it wasn't like one of the ones oh. i would have cut uh but i just wasn't expecting it to be what it is so thank god i didn't
1: <laughs> that's good then mm-hmm
0: Alrighty then. So with that being said, it is now your turn, Isabel. So it sounds like Isabel didn't have any overlap like me and Agnes had. So I'm really curious about your That's picks. good
2: because it means it's very refreshing. Yes, so.
0: exactly. So what do you have for us? What are two anime in which you went in with the level of an expectation and then ended up getting so much more out of it?
1: Yeah, surprisingly, I chose um, kind of older anime and then Buddy Daddies was on the list as well, but I just thought it was too recent for me to talk about. I see. Uh, okay. Well, maybe one of you guys would pick we were that up. We all the same place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh So the first one I picked uh, came out in, like 2006, 2007. I don't know if either of you have uh, seen this one, but it's Kaiji Ultimate Survivor.
0: Ooh, I don't know that one. <laughs> the name oh. is very... Oh! Um, I think it's
1: the one that Nico on. is obsessed with, which I found. Oh, surprising. okay, okay,
2: okay, okay. Okay, the, the Mahjong game. Okay. <laughs> Okay. 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 Maybe not the Majin one.
1: I think he relates it to the Majin one. Unless this is a different one, but this one is more about like gambling, and oh, gambling in general. I think One Mm -hmm.
2: of the Kaji spinoffs is related to Majin. Oh, okay. But maybe not this one. Okay, that makes sense. I
1: haven't seen the spinoff, so I wouldn't know either. I know it has, or at least the ones that I watched were the two seasons: the first season and the second season of the show. And it was recommended to me by a friend. And just looking at the art, I I did not want to watch it. I have no idea why I even yeah, watched started it. Yeah. Um, like the biggest thing ever since I start like just looking at the art is just the biggest thing for me was the noses. I could not get over how angular the noses are in the <laughs> series. It was kind of like, an, like watching JoJo's for the first time for me, just kind of being thrown <laughs> off by the dark art or heavy characters. And not only that, all the characters are males. Um, well, the idea behind Kaiji is that Kaiji is someone who... Like gambling and playing poker, and he's basically a neat. Um, and he he unfortunately signs a contract with his coworker that his coworker has left for him because he can't pay the debt back. And so since Kaiji signed on it, he has to pay it back. And uh, something like a ridiculous amount, like three $3 million or something, which he can't afford by working at a convenience store. And so it's kind of like similar to Squid Games, where this This loan shark comes after him and tells him, hey, you have a chance if you go on this boat and play some games, you can maybe make enough money to pay your debt off. And so he gets sucked into this world of kind of underground gambling uh, with other people that are kind of in that same financial struggle that he is. And they just, you know, are kind of crawling for that chance to be able to, to be able to make back the money that they owe to loan sharks or other people or just make them, you know, make a name for themselves. Um, but really everything's rigged. And yeah, when I first started watching the series, I didn't think I would like it at all. Like one, I was thrown off by the, the character and then, but then I slowly, but then I saw kind of like glimpses of what, how relatable he was in a sense, um, because he was unemployed and, um, the writer of this manga actually said that he kind of based it off Japan's uh, Lost Decade, which was the late 90s when um, things economically were not good for Japan. And so it was difficult for kaiji and um, or people in their you know young 20s to, to find a job. And, um, and so they were frustrated by not only themselves and trying to make something, but also frustrated by society. As well, just kind of, oh, because society's like, this is, it's their fault, right? It's not really my fault type of behavior or thought process. Um, but yeah, that's really what sold me on it. Just kind of him's character. I mean, he also frustrated me at times because sometimes it's, you'll see multiple times that he's an idiot, that he trusts people when he shouldn't. Like he, the first game that they play is kind of rock, paper, scissors, And I thought it was a simple game, but the fact that they could borrow money and then buy stars from other people, the point is that each person has stars stuck on their shirt. And so people can take other people's stars by winning that Rock Paper Sister game, but they have a limited amount of cards and a limited amount of money, and they need three stars to get out. And so um, I thought just kind of like that added complicated factor uh, made the game more interesting. I couldn't predict how it was going to go. Uh, and there's all in the end. Actually, Kaiji ends up like butt naked in the other room where he expects his friends that he made with in the game to help bail him out, but they don't. They kind of turn <laughs> their back on him. And of course, yeah. So of course, he gets into more debt, and he ends up, you know, playing more games just because he. It's kind of like this little cycle of him try, basically winning the game, but there's something that he loses at the last second. Like it's it's not really pure luck, but it's because. The higher-ups or, like, the game masters are actually very tricky as well, and they don't want anyone to win, obviously, and actually, a lot of the games are scary because some of the players actually die or are very seriously injured, like, they may lose a few limbs or something like that. So, I think, overall, Kaiji was this emotional roller coaster that I didn't expect to be on um, moving towards the end. But yeah, I totally recommend it if you like Battle Royale-type shows, uh, like Alice in Borderland or... Something like Kake as well. Um, I just thought that Kaiji was kind of like an older older anime that kind of maybe gave rise to other shows as well moving forward. Yeah, I
0: bet. Like it sounds like it sounds definitely sounds like sort of the the anime that set the standards based on what I've also heard from Nico. I think this is the same anime that Nico talked about, Agnes, because I also remember him like mentioning gambling and so um so I think this is the same one that he is really, really into. <laughs>
2: Okay, gotcha, yeah. That sounds really that sounds really good now that it's two people have watched Kaiji and really recommend it. Now I'm kind of compelled to actually watch it because I do like battle royale type of situations. It's just like gambling is not my thing just because I'm kind of too dumb oh. to gambling. So I'm just kind of like, I don't think I would be able to be as awestruck by the the maneuvers that people pull off of gambling. I'll be like, huh, okay. Moving <laughs> forward. Next I was thinking to myself, very so I'm very
0: risk averse. And so like, I was like, if I get those three stars, I am out of there. I'm not staying anytime. <laughs> yeah. The only reason why I started doing turnips and Animal Crossing is literally because someone has like a predictive model, <laughs> and so that's the only reason why I allow myself to do it. I am like a no go in regards to any sort of risk, <laughs> so I am like totally opposite from the people who would be involved in that sort of game. As so, well, I do. Have- question since it is so old you know and you said like the animation style definitely reflects its age and it's definitely not something that you would typically be drawn to like what really compelled you to start it was it just like on a whim one day or
1: yeah when yeah just basically I feel like just a recommendation from a friend that really made me want to watch it Um, and then and then also I guess I the fact that he the kaiji took risks overall and also that it wasn't predictable like i thought most of the games would be predictable like i could tell who could win but because it was so complicated i couldn't tell who was going to win or how he was going to win and i think it's different from maybe liar game for example where one of the characters basically knows how to trick the game Mm. or kind of they're kind of like that Mm. really smart type of character which kaiji isn't kaiji's he knows, you know, because he gambles as well. But I don't think he's like the smartest person in the room. In fact, you know, he gets tricked a lot, too. <laughs> so I think that just made it more different for me. Like, oh, like when he wins, I'm like, so happy for him. And then when he loses, I'm just like, you're an idiot. So yeah, just kind of like him, him growing on me, I feel like is what sold it. it
0: <laughs> I, I think I know what's happening. The anime successfully sidestepped A huge problem with these sort of competition anime, which is the level of tension is gone because it's become so predictable, (laughs) or it's so unpredictable in the sense that you don't really care anymore because it just swings left and right, left and right, with like without a second's notice. But this managed to find that good balance, so the tension is kept really, really well, and that's why it works
1: so well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the author also of this manga, interesting, he's he had done a several series before about gambling itself. So I think that helps mm. add to his expertise and uh, really focusing on it. Cause I think he was really dedicated into selling this type of story, especially reflecting on what had happened uh, during that time period overall.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Alrighty then. So if that is your first pick, then what is your second pick? I know you said you picked older anime, so I'm curious to hear how much older this one is.
1: <laughs> yeah, this one's a little bit more recent, but if I think about it, I was almost hitting the 10-year mark if it was released in 2015. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one's Fune wo Amu or The Great Passage.
0: Oh! I almost oh! that one too. Oh, I, I okay. said that yeah, one. Okay, so keep going.
1: <laughs> Yeah, um, that one is basically the anime about dictionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you can see why I, I might have put this on our list is because... Who would want to watch an anime about dictionaries, right?
2: <laughs> We're editors, of course we are. That's true. Of course, we'd pick up this series.
1: <laughs> I definitely feel like it's a series for editors or any writers interested. Um, just because I did not expect to like it at all. Just I watched the trailer and I thought it'd be an okay anime at best. Um, I did, but I didn't expect to be more involved than I thought I would. Like I was actually curious about what would happen. And I also kind of like that slower pace of the anime because um, the series is basically about uh, a man who you know, starts working at this um, company and a small company. He only has like what, two or 3 coworkers with him every day at the office. So I think it displayed a good uh, kind of like work life or work workplace, um, maybe drama or just kind of like how it is working on a smaller team in general. And I had watched this probably when I I was graduating from college, so I thought, oh, this is what I might be working at when I graduate, and I'll be working in this type of office, possibly, and seeing what the office dynamics are like. Um, And not only that, there were a lot of nuances between the dictionaries as well when they were working on the project. Um, Basically, what they want to do is create this new dictionary called the Great Passage, and then... um, basically kind of build it from scratch, but you know, there are other dictionaries out there. So what makes this dictionary different from the others? And then I think in the series they also kind of explain there there are different ways and how one can put like an entry in the dictionary. So I thought, wow, this is different than what I thought like, you know, as a kid flipping to a dictionary trying to find the word the fastest. I just thought that was it. But there's actually a lot of thought that goes into making the dictionaries, what entries they want to put or what examples they want to put. But yeah, it's definitely outer heavy heavy then in that there's like word choice and little things that I bet would, would be more for detail-oriented people. <laughs> and yeah, I just like the show overall. And not only that, there's also a little like side story between kind of like the second lead and I think a female character where there's an office romance, but they can't explicitly state that they're going mm-hmm. out because yeah, yeah yes. I, remember that <laughs> I remember
0: that because of the happy reveal mm-hmm. at the end I was like ah! and so, <laughs> an actual squeal came out of my mouth
1: <laughs> but yeah I thought yeah I definitely like that series more than I thought I would I want to hear your two's thoughts on it uh overall as well because it seems like both of you guys watched it
0: Agnes you can go first uh, no you, you can go, go first because you considered oh, no, it first? okay <laughs>
2: Um I really like the series. I thought it was really mature because I think I watched it when I was a little bit younger than you, Isabel. Mm-hmm. Um but at the time I thought it was really nice look at like what in like a mundane like office life was looking for what i was going to be looking forward possibly when i was working in the future um but then what i also really liked was the little bits and pieces of what goes into making the dictionaries like i think the two most vivid memories i have of the show was one where they were explaining about the lexicon and how there were like different ways of phrasing the example for certain words um, and especially because in the Japanese language there's there's so many different things that are kind of synonymous to each other, and there's also the the complexity of the kanji, which is something that's very different from like an American journal an um, American dictionary, right um, the second memory that I had of this series was where they were trying to explain the different types of papers that they were going to put in the dictionary. And that has never really occurred to me because at the time, you know, I was like, books are books, paper is paper. But they were talking about, you know, the density of the paper, how much the ink would bleed through the paper, and what was compelling enough for people to pick up the, the dictionary without feeling like, oh, it's like this textbook of really dense paper that they don't want to flip to. but also how easy was the paper supposed to feel while you're flipping through the dictionary and making sure that you know it doesn't rip and I was like that is an incredible amount of detail that I would have never thought about putting into something like a dictionary even like a textbook and then the last thing that I also really liked was the main leads female like lover or um Wife, I should say, right? Um, I was really surprised about how supportive she was of his small company. And he was also very supportive of her, too, as a chef in the Japanese food industry. And that was the first time I was like a female chef in an anime that came out before or at least was not. Oh, I
0: anymore. never even thought
2: about mm. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's very few female. and I mean, it's it's a pretty well-known statistic that. Um, the food industry and at least the chef industry is still very heavily dominated by males and females do struggle a lot and especially so um, in Japan where females aren't allowed to make sushi right because there is a overarching tradition that females hands are warmer and therefore ill-suited to make sushi which is a massive stereotype that exists in Japan
0: I see- not know this this is new information you're telling me actually
2: <laughs> the sushi thing yeah that's new information yeah, to that's new yeah. For me too so yeah so that's why a lot of the sushi restaurants that you'll see in japan you actually won't see female sushi masters because most of them will actually get rejected Because a lot of them are very old school and will refuse to actually take up females because of this old tradition and thinking that female hands are warmer and therefore would make the sushi not mold correctly and that it would be like very warm and not cool. Um, but there's a lot of research that has been done about it, and even a couple YouTube videos of people actually testing to see how cold female hands really are in comparison to a male, and really there's just no difference, it's just a an uphold stereotype. So to see a normal working female adult in an anime that's about dictionaries, but also be a chef, and she's not necessarily a sushi chef, but she is a like a bonafide chef working towards her goals, and her husband is very supportive of her, make me felt really happy to see something like that. Like that, as opposed to like maybe food wars where it's a little bit too gratuitous. With the oh, <laughs> this is
0: this really puts in a new perspective for me, like in a way that makes me appreciate it. Yeah, I I had no idea that that yeah. was an actual thing at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you'll see more sushi chefs in America because that's why a lot of them actually come over here is because they can get certified actually to. Oh, uh, well, while then I'm here. not complaining, uh, they should they keep coming. Well, but it's not easy because most of America is, uh, is a wasteland that doesn't have access that to the ocean. So it's not like you get fresh That's fish in the true. middle of like uh, I don't know, like yeah, like in Kansas, right? Like I would be really skeptical going to a sushi place if it was like in Kansas, where you're not going to get you know grade A tuna. Or I bet like sushi
0: that. in Maine is good since Maine is known for its seafood because it's like three sides of the state, I believe, is surrounded by water. So. <laughs>
2: Maine seafood is pretty good. I've actually been there before. Um but I think the repertoire of Maine is so heavily concentrated on lobster that I think it's very hard to survive as a, uh, a sushi chef in Maine. Oh. Yeah, that whole like East Side coast is very big on like lobster bisque. Um and then they have like that thing where it's like lobster inside of like a hot dog bun. I forgot what it's called. And then they just basically batter it with um with butter it's great it's really good to eat but that whole culture is very heavily rooted in lobster and i think the the weather climate in maine might not be the same as the climate in japan so you might not get a lot more variety that's of true fish.
0: i see what you're saying there yeah <laughs> All right, Agnes, uh, Agnes it educates us in regards to the food industry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I also really enjoyed the Great Passage. I remember it quite well. I had a bit of a... So um, I the part that was like kind of intimate for me in regards to the discussion of how to make the dictionary is because... Growing up, I went to Chinese school and I part of Chinese school uh, homework is writing, you know, articles and uh, writing essays like you would do in your normal school, public school. And one thing is I would have to go to the dictionary to try to find some of the words that I just haven't learned yet. And I just don't know how to um, and I just don't know how to write it. And the Internet definitely isn't as robust as it is now, granted, Obviously, people have pointed out, like, you know, translating from language to language is still just not the same. Like, it's not something that is super doable still. But at least if you have an idea of how the word sounds, you can look at it. You can just go to Google and look up the ping is what it's called. And then you'll be able to find it from a list of symbols, the word that you're looking for. But like I said, the internet wasn't as robust as it was back then. And so I would have to dig through the dictionary. And I think it was... I remembered as a kid, like I would be really frustrated when I dug through the dictionary because I think it just feels so much harder to look through a Chinese dictionary than it is an English dictionary. And the thing is, it's just there's a lot more thought that have to be put into languages that are based on symbols rather than letters. And the fact that the anime really stressed upon that and showing the exact steps little by little how that's gonna work, I thought was just so nice to see and it made me feel a connection because it instantly made me think of the you know older days where I was digging through that Chinese dictionary trying to find the right symbol to write for my homework assignment and so that's my connection with the anime one other thing I would like to point out is also something that's sort of like a hindsight situation but I didn't realize how good the animation was Um, This was still in that era before anime was coming out with 70 to 80 anime a season. Like, this was still around the time when they were coming out around 20 to 30, which is much more doable. And it wasn't until I was seeing the Sakuga people post clips specifically from that anime. And I wasn't as experienced with animation as a whole and understanding what animation looks like. But now when I look at that clip, it's kind of like heads and tails above like the average anime we watch today. And that wasn't even a really big anime. And it got that sort of animation um, quality treatment. So it really makes me think about what we're missing out now in regards to quality. But makes me also appreciate the anime more. So I don't know if you two have seen those clips. But I like if you guys look back to it, I think you guys will notice how good the animation was. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I have not So definitely share that. I would like to see that because, yeah, I thought the animation was fine for what it was, but maybe, you know, I definitely probably missed the details of that as well. So I was mostly just drawn in also by kind of the opening and ending. I thought that show just had good music to start with and end with too, (laughs) which made it fun for me to watch. Oh
0: yes, it did have very good uh, opening and ending theme songs. Yes. Mm Alrighty then. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our topic today. Um, I hope you know some of our choices align with yours, but please feel free to share with us about some of the animes that you went in not expecting to love or like the way that you ended up feeling when you watched it. So uh, we'd also we are we're always on the lookout for some other anime that w- went beyond expectations. We won't have an episode next week. And that's because Girl Taku is literally going to physically get together for a fun weekend. So uh, we might be posting about it on our Twitter account. uh, But other than that, we won't be able to record in that sense. So we will be seeing you guys in two weeks for a very fun topic. And I hope you guys will be here. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.